This is the one with junk mail. A lot of let it all hang out, mumbo jumbo. And Norse gods? It's called The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Now shut up and eat your popcorn. <laughs> okay. You are welcome. <laughs> We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space Counting Daleks, Dalent Boot and the Cybertronic race Suntarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes please Episode by episode we're trudging down this temporal road Come join us on this odyssey, what other choice could there be than Who back when? Who back when? Well, I am Leon, and I'm here to say, howdy folks, how you doing today? Welcome to what's sure to be a blast, it's Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. No, no, did that just happen? Oh, hello, <laughs> Leon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doc Wow. Hello, 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 podcast land, you crazy devils. Welcome to what is sure to be an absolutely legendary episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. We already covered this in rhyme. Oh my god, I already forgot. I am but half of Who Back When. I am Leon, and I have the esteemed pleasure of gazing at what is currently a really small frame on my screen. I need to fix that. There you go. You're much bigger. Uh, gazing at Jim Cakes, the cake boss himself. Hello, Jim. Hello, Leon. Hello, podcast man. Yes, it's Jim here. Hello. Jim. Jim Cakeroony, cake boss, cakes, cake meister. Holy smokes. It has been aeons. How do you feel about having our, like, two-week-ish reunion on the occasion of The Greatest Show in the Galaxy? I mean, it's lovely to have the two-week reunion. More Leon time is good time. More podcast time is good time. This, though, was uh, not quite a steaming pile of shit, but maybe (laughs) not far off. (laughs) In my eyes, at least. (laughs) Yeah, we might as well alienate all of podcast land right away. I happen to agree with you, Jim Cakes. This... Serial did yeah. not resonate with me at all. And I'm aware that there are lots of readings, and we'll get into all of that. But yeah, this was... I did not enjoy this. <laughs> like, not even in the slightest. No. I read I read some interesting, like, quotes from people talking about this serial, and it's like, what? Did we watch the same thing? We'll get yeah. into that later. Yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah, we are going to dissect top level, the crap out of this. Yeah, not for either of us by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Podcast Land, don't lose faith just yet. We are aware that at least some of you are, are big fans of this. So don't worry about it. We'll get into it. What is it, though, Jim Cakes? Should we try to summarize it somehow? You mean in some kind of bite-sized chunk of who? Oh, yes! <laughs> Let's. Time for us to synopsize, lovify and summarize So take a view, and grab a brew, and listen to this overview This free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who Bite-sized chunk of who I'm reading this intro and I'd like to say, nope (laughs) The rapping stops right now The circus is in town and anyone who's anyone is paying it a visit Well if you think a vandal with a batwing helmet Or the world's most annoying fan or anyone that is Of course, Doc and Ace will be popping by as well, so it's a good thing that Doc's been practicing his juggling. But not such a good thing that Ace hates circuses, especially the clowns. Clowns are about all this circus has to offer, unfortunately. Unless you count the sinister talent competition, the previous acts that have tried to leave and died or gone mad in the process, the visiting explorer Captain Cook and his girl Friday, aka Mags, 
and the audience that just consists of mother, father, and creepy girl. Something is afoot with those last three, if the naming didn't clue you in. But to be perfectly honest, I haven't the foggiest about that. Beast Scout over. You are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. I don't have the foggiest about most of this serial. <laughs> so, shall we get right into the possible readings, the possible symbolism at play here? Okay. I mean, please. Do. This beast cow, trademark Jim Cakes, which I'm pointing out mostly because I am absolutely thrilled to bits that we both scripted some kind of rap to start this podcast episode <laughs> with. You included in it a mention of the viewers, the mother, father, and, and child, daughter, whatever. I'm assuming they are the viewers of Doctor Who, and the greatest show in the galaxy is Doctor Who. This isn't my theory. This is pretty official, I think. I oh, really? Yeah. I don't think I saw that. And So what does that mean in your eyes, then? As in manip- the... Because they're manipulating the show though as well yeah that's part of what really strikes me as odd about it unless i'm mistaken and it's possible that i'm misreading that the fact that we have mother father daughter in civilian clothing and they are dead (laughs) and they're still watching this spectacle they barely want to interact they just want to eat popcorn and be entertained i'm assuming they are the audience and then you have really jumping straight to the end we have the ragnarok gods who also just want to be entertained but the three Ragnarok gods, they seem like suits to me. They seem like BBC execs, you know. Ooh, interesting. Either way, the great yeah, show I in the galaxy, clearly Doctor assuming. Who. I mean, I could imagine that being, yeah, a little tongue-in-cheek use of the title. Say, we're the greatest show in the galaxy, of course. Sure. I'm not sure about the concept that the viewers are these audience members that are pretty much evil for a start. It's possible someone are is they? in the BBC production making this comparison but it would seem a little bit kind of like biting the hand that feeds you as it were yeah is this not during a time when the bbc is gradually tightening that noose around doctor who and and so the doctor who production team is really feeling it that they don't feel particularly appreciated they're getting lots of studio notes they're getting lots of bad counterproductive feedback they're being told the budgets are being cut yada 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 yeah true and I'm sure you could do a like a really in-depth reading. Who are all of these different characters? Who's the biker? Who's the lady selling snacks on the roads? And why is she opposed to the circus? And all of that nonsense. I mean, I just... To be perfectly honest, I didn't enjoy anything enough to start thinking about that kind of thing. And <laughs> I'm now thinking on my feet, feet, you know, what they could represent. I know that the kid is meant, the greatest fan yeah. is meant to be 100% as he's presented. Like, yeah. he's an amalgamation of just annoying traits of fandom. Yeah, which, yeah, exactly. So there's already a bit of a fourth wall breaking thing, because obviously there are obsessive Doctor Who fans, as there are fans of everything. So they are saying... Yeah, but we I don't know. I mean, it, it seems very much as a negative, like that kid is annoying. Everyone he interacts with thinks he's annoying. They're not hiding behind anything else. They're saying super fans are annoying, which is obviously part of their audience. That's a weird thing to do. Interestingly, so part four had the highest viewing figure of any Sylvester McCoy episode. Uh, why? Part four as well. So there are lots of people who are coming in yeah. at the very end who haven't seen the first three quarters of the series. Like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna watch this. I hear really good things. That is mad. That's utterly crazy. Yeah. I don't know how accurate the viewing figures are. They've, they've got them listed on Wikipedia. And it's like, yeah, 5.0 million for part one. And it goes up to 5.3, then down to 4.9 for two and three, respectively. 
and then jumps up to 6.6 for the last one. I, I guess bet. it's the season finale, I suppose. Oh, this there is that as well, season. yeah. Oh, yeah, that is true. I bet there's another factor as well, and that is that a lot of a lot of couples, a lot of families will have watched this serial, and because it's so divisive, they'll have had a fight after part one, broken up, <laughs> and thus created splinter households with separate television sets that are now watching the same show. I see. One of them loving it, the other one hate watching it. <laughs> And that's really good. Just be the, it's the VHS era, so maybe people aren't watching the first oh, couple right. of episodes live, but they're all tuning in for the finale. Oh, I see. But even compared to other serials, though, this is the thing. Like this was a highly watched serial. I wonder if that commentary, that sort of meta commentary, is part of it. As in, people hear either they watch it and they agree, or they hear, "Oh, right, yeah." So. Doctor Who is really tanking, but they're super self-aware and they've made this very clever allegory of, of their own demise and sticking it to the man and whatever else. I need to watch it. But I mean, here's the thing. Even if that's the case, even if this is a clever allegory, it's still shit. It is in no way entertaining. <laughs> It's just annoying I, on every yeah. single level. I think I couldn't stretch to say this is clever in any sense. If yeah. there are some things we can draw from it, I think we're probably doing more work than the, the writers did. Because everything in this is just really, really poorly constructed and quite flat as well. Nothing yeah. feels fully fleshed out. Agreed. I mean, we've got the very first person that appears in this serial, the ringmaster, who has the personality of a piece of paper and the backstory well, to go do. with it. Yeah, they all do. Yeah. Wait, what backstory? Well, exactly. Like, a few of them, it like we get deadbeat aka kingpin who's got some weird shit going on where he was looking for this like i don't know he convinced them all to go there to look for this power what for what reasons i don't remember them ever actually saying why anyone does this it's just you know what i didn't even catch that (laughs) i just assumed they set up camp like here we're gonna have a circus and it coincidentally there was a crevasse right underneath it with I mean, honestly, that would work better. That would make more sense than the (laughs) half-assed thing they tried to do of, like, this was intentional. It's like, no, none of this reads as intentional. It reads as something went hideously wrong. And some of them are making good of a bad situation. And some of them are trying to get away and get getting killed or their brains melted in the process. Yeah. Are you (laughs) suggesting that Kingpin went... Wait, hang on. So did Kingpin find the amulet? Is that how this whole thing starts? I'm not quite sure, to be honest. Uh, Podcast land is screaming. I could skim through my notes. I don't think it would help. I could skim through the transcript, and I'm not sure that would help either. (laughs) No, that's fine. I mean, definitely, he has has a medallion, which is important for this. Yeah. He, as I understand it, intentionally is trying to use it because he knows there is this power here. Whether he knows it's the gods of Ragnarok or not, I wasn't clear about that. I'm fairly certain the serial wasn't clear about, about that. What does it even mean? Like, if you have this amulet, are you able to control them? I'm not... That doesn't seem likely. Yeah, wait, no, I don't know. The only thing that we really get to see the amulet do... So it has. it's the amulet, it's an eyeball, which again, by the way, the viewers, maybe, or possibly the... Maybe it's the BBC, because they're looking, they're watching. Because otherwise, there's nothing eyeball-shaped about any of this. Like, there's an eyeball in that vortex... But the alien baddies are just stone dudes. But anyway, so it's an eyeball amulet, and then there's a separate iris, 
not iris, pupil yeah. part to it, which is missing. So he, he is walking around with his amulet, and when those two are put together, the only thing we ever get to see it do is it reflects laser beams <laughs> yeah. at, at the gods of Ragnarok. But he has separated, or someone has separated the amulet from the pupil, put the pupil inside of a lunchbox, and he's walking <laughs> yes. around with the amulet. But who has separated them, and why... And why is he allowed to walk around with the amulet, even though he's, like, massively brained? If the bad yeah. guys are around him, wouldn't they just go, maybe, hey, what's his name? What? Not Kingpin. What's his name when he's Deadbeat. under the influence? Deadbeat. Hey, Deadbeat, give me that amulet, please. <laughs> done. Now that problem is no longer a problem. Well done. <laughs> Solved. Yeah. No, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense, to be honest. And, and why is I mean, the people it inside make... of a lunchbox inside of a bus? I mean, that, I think, is meant to have been the work of, let's call him the chief clown. I think that's how he's referred to on Wikipedia. So I don't he know if that's separated them? Well, we've basically got two factions of the circus people. We've got Dead Deadbeat, aka Kin Kingpin, Flower Child, I think she's called, the yeah. woman that dies early on. And Bellend. And Bellboy. Bell Sorry. Bellend, yeah. yeah. Bellboy. <laughs> Bellend. <laughs> And and they're kind of so I think like Kingpin wanted something different and they all went along for it. And then when all shit hits the fan, it seems like the chief clown, the ringmaster, and the fortune teller lady all decided to go, Oh yes, all hail our new gods of Ragnarok masters who are yeah. sitting in the audience now and are demanding sacrifices in the form of shitty talent shows. Yeah, what and everyone they... else went, yeah. fuck this shit, let's, let's not do they that. They try to escape and it doesn't work, yeah. They get killed. I, mean, I don't process. know why it doesn't work. I don't know why Belland and Flowerpot don't just leg it. <laughs> why, why are they even hanging around at the start? Why aren't they just on Yeah, a they're not under the influence the way that Deadbeat is. Yeah, no. just leave. There seems yeah. to be some sort of teleportation <laughs> gate here. Because people keep arriving through a teleportation gate, usually mm. on a wheeled conveyance. Could they Two not, wheels, mostly. <laughs> yeah, could they not just get get on it and teleport out of there? I mean, you would think there's some way off here. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> None of it made sense to me. I really no. don't. And no, you know what? After after watching this, just going, what the fuck was this about? What was any of this? It wasn't entertaining. It was just annoying as shit. I go to Wikipedia. This yeah. is what I was alluding to earlier, and I really wanted to get into. Okay. <laughs> I go to Wikipedia and I see, like, okay, what was the reception to this? And they're quoting, so we've got some reviews, a story with so much going right, really? Okay, well, I don't think we watched the same thing. The ideas Absolutely in this not. one, one of the most iconic stories, are very imaginative and the direction is psychedelic. No. Again, I'm not quite sure what you I were watching. I don't think so. I think friend. Doctor Who has been more <laughs> psychedelic in the past. Definitely more imaginative. Uh, yeah. No, and the only thing no. I can kind of agree with is people pull, pull out Ian Reddington as the chief clown. I think he was mm. he was quite cool. But it's not a massive part. It's not like that is going to save a shit serial because he's probably yeah. in it for a total of five minutes out of two hours. Yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> he, he, was, he was good, though. He was pretty solid. I looked him up. I looked up most of these people. And uh, Ian Reddington, <laughs> he was in... Okay, I rewatched this quite recently. He was in Highlander, the first Highlander movie. You remember the oh, scene wow. where where McLeod is? This is like in the seventeen hundreds, and he's in a duel with some nobleman. He's drunk off his face, and he's in a duel with some nobleman. And the nobleman keeps shooting him, and he's he dies, and then obviously he just gets right back up again and goes. He's still drunk and gets shot again. That Lord, Lord Bassett, was this dude. So there you go. Uh, Zero degrees of no Kevin Bacon's. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to just shit all over it for for no reason. But it, it just really, yeah, it just really stood out to me as like, hang on, people were like praising parts of this. And I was coming yeah. away from it just very confused. Like, I don't think. And so one of the quotes was like, this is like a really good um, demonstration of what who can be as well. And I was like, no, this this is in my mind some of the worst bits of what who can be exactly. because it's ideas just thrown into a pot and none of it is cohesive and none of it is actually going anywhere exactly and most of it is just kind of tasteless and bad yeah that there are there are a couple of really good bits in it like the the captain the captain and mags are great well the captain is great i think but pretty much everything else gave me have you seen highway to hell oh my god dude watch highway to hell it's it's a fabulous Isn't that a song <laughs> i'm pretty sure that they play the song in the film a couple on the road, they get pulled over by a cop. The cop turns out to be a hell cop who kidnaps the woman of this couple, takes her to hell, and the guy needs to go to hell to find her. And he encounters just really gross people along the way. And this is what it's like. Like, it's a desert landscape. Uh. Everyone's really gross. I'm sure there are a couple of clowns in there. I'm sure there's someone selling shit food on the side of the road. This might just be a trope in this this era. You know what? I'm going to find out when Highway to Hell was. Okay, so we were we were just getting into 89. So it started on the 14th of December. I presume that yeah, I presume this is yeah, first episode and then the last episode was on the 4th of January. Well, I'm an idiot because Highway to Hell wasn't until 91. But maybe Highway to Hell was inspired by the oh, same okay. kind of tropes that this was inspired by. I feel like there's a yeah, lot of maybe. there's also a lot of carnival shit going on. For whatever reason, a bunch of entertainment just had carnies. <laughs> Quite you know what possibly, I mean? Yeah. Attack of the Killer Clowns. There's that film Carney with Jodie Foster. I think of other ones. Two Moon Junction. <laughs> no, I, I feel like this is another thing that people just did to like gross you out about. There's like overlap between post-apocalyptic Mad Max society and carnivals and and circus yeah. performers. And this this is it. It's like that gross, seedy underbelly of of any society. Deeply impoverished, both financially and morally, in entertainment. And uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I'm just sort of spouting complaints about I don't even really know what. <laughs> but I, th- I think it's an interesting comparison, though, because I haven't seen the things you're talking about, but I can immediately picture how a film might treat this same kind of subject matter. Yeah. And I can already see some of the camera shots of like close ups of grotesque people, things being slowed down, perhaps to emphasize something. Like, there's so much... I mean, it's probably very tropey, you're right. But there's so much I would expect if they were really kind of dialing into that. And we're not treated to that in this serial. We're treated to what looks like a fairly normal circus. The creepiness is just that there's no one in the audience. Um, the clowns are robots, but then they're obviously not people in the costume. And yeah, yeah, I think other than the chief clown, possibly they are. I'm not sure. Okay. That's not really clear either. No, I don't think anyone because they are like they're in a different type of TV. TV show or film they're the protagonists they're the people that get trapped somewhere and go through hell and have to come out of it but in here they're being presented as the antagonists 
And none of them are sinister enough or scary enough to do that, other than possibly the chief clown. Yeah, exactly. The victims themselves, the people that we think are the bad guys turn out to be victims themselves, but there's nothing redeeming about them. Some kind of good intention behind all of their bad actions. And the, yeah. there's no redemption. The chief clown never goes, no, you're absolutely right. I regret all of this. There's no final good deed before he's lasered in the face no one does anything positive really no you get a hint of the fortune teller lady like not wanting to go along with it anymore that's true and then that fizzles out really quickly and suddenly she's dead because that was one of my questions for you what happens to her well i assume dead yeah because that wasn't clear to me either it's like (laughs) was that a vanishing trick or did they get vaporized who knows Oh, does she get... Va- is she one of... Wait, does the ringmaster also get vaporized? We see him get sort of well, put they, in a box yeah. or he screams anyway. They both go into a box and then I think they empty the box and maybe there's a rag in in there oh, okay. to say that they got vaporized. I, I don't it. know. I totally missed it. I, it really was a blink and miss it moment, to be honest. And it didn't make sense either. It's like... Suddenly these, I mean, these gods of Ragnarok are there craving to be entertained every second of the day. Yeah. And and we've seen two people turn up other than Doc and Ace. Well, I guess the Captain and Mags, but pin in that, we should come back to the Captain in general. But, you know, we see the Vandal and the Uber fan turn up in the space of this serial. Yeah. That's and they last like five not minutes Not enough each. to keep, yeah, exactly. That's not enough to keep them entertained. There's a lot of dead air here. And all yeah. of a sudden, they're like, nope, dead air is not acceptable. We're killing you two now. It's exactly. Like, what? Why no. is there not a <laughs> just a conveyor belt of people walking into this circus tent and getting killed? Yeah, because most of the time, nothing must be happening. Yeah, true. That's a super good point. Damn. <laughs> okay, what about the captain? Because well, I really liked him. It, here's the big question. Do you hmm. think the captain was in it from the start? Or did oh. he just stumble across this realized that there was a power play something he could latch onto and then he goes full in to back the bad team i no i don't think that the captain knew what was going on from the start just like regrettably doc also seems to not have known what was going on from the start mm. the captain and doc are basically the same character right like they're both older gentlemen with some kind of headgear and with young women companions <laughs> Who are very yes. clever and like there's a clear parallel there. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, the reason I assume that neither one of them knew what was going on is that both of them willingly otherwise walk straight into a cage and then feign being angry about being in a cage. So I assume that they had no idea. Which is another part of the writing that really pisses me off about this serial, because why would like even set aside the captain? Why would Doc he, he seems to really want to go to the circus? Ace doesn't even want to go. He like he convinces, he muddy McFly's her. It's like, hey, are you chicken? Yeah, let's go. And then they go to the circus, and then he's just utterly miffed about having been trapped. Yeah. Why? I feel like there was a line at some point where it sounded like it was intentional. Like he knew what was going on, and it was it was the reason they went there. Really? I can't remember when that was. Oh, it was God. something like something got revealed. Maybe it's when they discovered that there was this pit. I can't remember. And I think Ace said something like, oh, you knew that was here all along, sort of thing. Is and that... And it was like, ah, oh, yes, I did. 
But is that because when they had entered the circus, so they've already left the TARDIS. By the way, where's the TARDIS? They've left the TARDIS. They've gone into the circus. They've sat in the audience. The ringmaster hasn't appeared yet, but he looks, Doc looks at the stage and he sees that stone. It's a stone with some Mm. sort of glyph on it. Is that not the reason why he, quote unquote, knew that there was going to be a portal? Because like, oh, fuck. You might be right there. Yeah. So he saw that and knew a lot more through interpreting that stone and the markings i think so but he didn't he know anything before that then. Later. i think that makes sense yeah well what you're saying what you said before makes sense as well like if from a like standard Doctor Who point of view, Doc should know what's going on before he walks into it, or at the very least, when he walks into it, he should immediately understand what the situation is. But here, yeah. we get sort of, we almost get neither. And the weird thing to me is that he coerces his companion into going to the circus, when clearly she does not want to go. But then, like, no. <laughs> He has I mean, one talent, by the he, way. It's playing the spoons. He doesn't do that. Why doesn't he play the spoons? <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, juggling is more fun. Just to be clear, he does sort of coerce it. Like, he's pushing her to go. But it's the spam male that is doing the chicken thing, isn't it? Oh, you're right. No, you're right. The spam bot does Marty McFly Ace. But when yeah. they are outside of the circus, for example, Ace just goes, I fucking hate clowns. Well done, Ace, by the way. Completely concur. I hate clowns. <laughs> And the circus is dumb, and I don't want to go to the circus. There's something very sinister about it. Doc surely at that point does say, no, don't be such a total bore. Come with me. Let's go here. We have to go here. This is the best. This is the greatest show in the galaxy. We cannot miss it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's definitely pushing too far. I guess the Doctor does do that with companions from time to time. Like You expect the Doctor to know, even though it may look unsafe, it really is safe. Or if you're with the Doctor, you're going to be safe. Yeah. So sometimes companions are put into places that are not in their comfort zone, shall we say. So I feel like I kind of took us on a tangent because you brought up, well, we were talking about the captain, Captain Captain Cook, Captain Cook and Mags. Captain Cook, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the main thing I had was like questioning how, like at what point the captain becomes part of the team that's trying to uncover this power, whatever it is. I think you're right. I think he goes to the circus to explore and find something and doubles down and all that. He's presented throughout all of it as being ruthless and just about his own survival. Yeah, he's he's what the Doctor would be like if the Doctor took the moral stance of the chief clown. He's like a uh, total turncoat. No, no, it's fine. I will sacrifice yeah. anyone else. I'll be one of your henchmen. That's I'm happy with that. Yeah, exactly. You know what really pissed me off, though? Like, bewilderment aside and not uh-huh. really enjoying the serial, just, just did not make sense from, like, the own own logic of this serial which i think is a piece of shit is the fact that captain cook is allowed to keep putting other people in his place he's just he's locked up in a cell yeah and he at every junction until the very last moment where all three of them go in together puts other people up like he's been told by the ringmaster you're next yes you're right yet somehow a conversation happens off screen where suddenly yeah, he's not goes. next. Yeah, yeah, because he's convinced that the whiz- he's convinced the whiskid that he's lost the. I can't remember what it was that time. Oh, the whiskid should get the best honor, or the vandal. Yeah, has lost the game of heads or tails because it's a rigged coin. Yeah. These things happen, and then suddenly we miss the scene where the ringmaster goes, "Oh, okay, that's perfectly reasonable. I didn't Absolutely, really want yeah, to yeah. kill you anyway." 
Forget that menacing menacing monologue that I delivered earlier. No, no, I'm perfectly fine with you doing swapsies with the child who just arrived. Yeah. Yeah, that is... You're right. That is so dumb. Also, why do they allow all three of them to go on stage at the same time? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, no, we want entertainment that lasts longer. It seems to be the rules they've established. Why would you put all three of them in one? No, that's three separate goes you could have there yeah yeah no, exactly stupid <sighs> the spam thing that arrives in the tardis actually i've got two questions yeah. for you about the spam thing first off does it suggest that people show up at the circus to witness the greatest show or is it a recruitment push like does it say do you have a talent do you want to join the circus come and audition i actually don't remember they know about the talent competition so maybe um, it does say that. You know what? I never even thought of that as being a recruitment thing. But you're probably right. It probably is trying to get people to join the circus. Well, it's trying to get people to join the circus so that they join the talent show so that they get lightning bolted in order to somehow feed the Ragnarok gods, I guess. Yeah. Maybe it, did they just see a poster somewhere? I'm going to look up the transcript. You know what? Actually, no. I've, this is I've searched the transcript. The first mention of talent contest yeah. is said by Doc. Oh, right. What, is it, what does the ad say in the beginning, since you have the transcript in front of you? What does the spam bot tell Doc and Ace? Uh, it's festival time at the Psychic Circus, the greatest show in the galaxy. Come along, have a time of your life with the nonstop action of its glittering circus ring. There's big prizes. Yeah. Oh, that, if you want that has nothing watch to do with or you want to compete. Oh. It does say that you can compete. It doesn't oh, okay. explicitly say it okay. about a talent contest. Doc seems to infer that somehow. <laughs> but it does say if you want to compete, then pop around. That, that's fair. You know what? I'm convinced. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's getting people there for multiple reasons, I suppose. Okay. Question two about the spam bot. How do you feel about the spam bot? Like how do you feel about junk mail being able to infiltrate the TARDIS? I feel like that's bullshit. It even interfaces with the console. It has a little thing that pops up and locks into the console. Oh did it? Oh, yeah. I missed that. It's got like a little tentacle thing and it pops the ad on the scanner inside the TARDIS, I think. Yeah, no, not a fan of that. This could be a totally different serial. I feel like in a different era of Doctor Who, yeah, some something coming into the TARDIS unwanted. The rest of the serial will be tracking down how and why that happened. Yeah, not in a absolutely. Oh, let's go there because it told me to. Is a let's go there, destroy it, work out how to prevent this ever happening because the TARDIS is meant to be beyond all this kind of shit, and no one should have that power. Like that's yeah, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that would have happened. <laughs> Okay, where to next? I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm not a good force for keeping a conversation going. Keep shitting all that stuff. No, we are uh, are both very much on the, sorry, what was that? I'm trying to pull out something positive. There was actually a nice, nice creepy scene when Ace gets locked up in the clown cupboard, basically. Clown workshop. Yeah. Which oh yeah, they gave, stopped moving. Gave me a little bit of Blade Runner vibes actually. Um, yeah. When you got Sebastian and he's got all his toys around. Yeah, you're right. Background. Yeah, that was that was done really nicely. I knew that obviously something was going to move in the background, but it wasn't super obvious that that was a person stood there in a clown robot 
suit. Like everything looked like they were just like pieces of robot here and there. And then, yeah, an arm just comes and grabs Ace at one point. Yeah. I agree. Nice. That was mega creepy. Well done. Is that the yeah. same place where Doc and Ace both get locked up later on? Doc and Ace both get locked up in a place? There's a point later on where when Doc and Ace escape, Doc, Ace and uh, Kingpin, Deadbeat, escape. And uh, Bells is in there as well. And Bells stays behind. He's like, no, no, you go. I'm gonna... I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to be a hero and I'll distract them. I'll be a decoy or I'll just steal yeah. some of their time, slow them down. So I, do, I don't think Doc got locked up there. I think Doc and Deadbeat rescued them, basically. Right. Oh, okay. But yeah, that that's the point. And okay, explain to me how Bellend uh-huh. does anything positive to like slow down the chasing party to throw them off the scent anything like that by staying behind. nothing absolutely nothing. nothing you would think given that he is a robot expert and an expert in making robots that look like humans you would ex- you would think that maybe he could turn three or four of the robots in that shed in that shack i think it's a bus actually like he, or a Winnebago or something. He could turn three or four yeah. of those robots into decoys themselves. Like put a hat on one of them. Like take Doc's oh, yeah. hat, put it on one of the robots, give another robot a wig, make it look like an ace. Whatever, something like that. The bad guys, I mean, the chief clown, walk up to the robots. They all have their backs turned to them. He goes like, oh, turn around, you <laughs> sons of bitches. I got you now. And then they turn around and it turns out they're just like shit, really naff robots. And like, yeah. damn. Foiled again by bells, and then off they pop. <laughs> yeah, that would have worked nicely. Yeah. He could have just ordered the robots to attack rather than like you know, attack someone else other than him. I get what it was meant to be. It's meant to be like he's lost all hope. He doesn't want to live anymore. The woman of his life is already dead. But it just came across as dumb. It's like, hey, hey, watch me. I'm getting killed over here. Look, look, they're all killing me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is also okay. after he's introduced Chekhov's robot that fires lasers out of its eyes. And oh, he yeah. said, there's a bigger version of it out there somewhere, which turns out is the robot that we encountered at the very beginning that uh, Dr. Cook, yeah. not Dr. Cook, Captain Cook found. And But he has a smaller one that fires lasers out of its eyes in there with him. Yeah, true. He could, just a thought, he could use it. It's a weapon. <laughs> yeah. Fire lasers at people. That's like... 36% of sci-fi firing lasers at people. How did you miss that, Yeah, Bells? No, it's all just, yeah, it's bullshit. Because it doesn't even work as a distraction for, like, half a second. He goes in there, shouts, Oh, come kill me. All the robots start going towards him. And Chief Clown just wanders off. It's like, all right, then. I guess this doesn't involve me. I'll go chase after the people I'm trying to chase after. See ya. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Any other positives? Because <laughs> that, <laughs> believe it or not, was a positive. <laughs> hey, I said the positive bit, and then it. Okay, that was a second thing that, that went negative. Fair. Like I tend to basically put thumbs up and thumbs down in my notes, and I literally only have two thumbs ups. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is just I was writing notes to try and understand what the fuck was going on, and it still didn't didn't help. <laughs> so the other thumbs up I have. In amongst all of the things that Doc does at the end, when he's basically turns into a magician, and I honestly hated that whole thing. There yeah, was one he's... nice bit 
It was just the smoothness of, and I have no idea why the gods decide to make it rain, but the gods decide to make it rain, and there's just a super smooth moment of Doc spinning around, and he's holding a snake, and on the return, he's got his umbrella, and he just casually puts up his umbrella. That was super smooth. I mean, McCoy, to be fair, is lovely in this. Like, I don't particularly enjoy that this is the Doctor doing these things. Yes, exactly. But he does it very well. <laughs> and McCoy is a natural entertainer. Exactly, McCoy yeah. would be... There's a clownish quality to McCoy, like, in general. There's a very slapsticky quality to him. Yeah. So in many ways, he fits in super-duper well. But I agree, I don't... I don't like almost any of the Doctor's choices in this serial. Like the doc- Sylvester McCoy delivers a really poorly written Doctor. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like, I can happily point to the chief clown actor and say, you did a good job for the five mm. minutes you were on screen. I can yeah. point at Sylvester McCoy and say, you did a really good job of performing a character that isn't the Doctor in a shit serial. And that's kind of where it stops, I think. Well, I think that there are a few more actors who I think did a pretty good job. I think the ringmaster was pretty good for what he was. By the way, yet another I American guess, yeah. guy. Yeah, true, yeah. This is in relatively quick succession. We've had American actors or actresses. Actually, now in hindsight, I'm not sure if the woman in... I can't, I can't really picture her accent, but the woman in Silver Nemesis who's in the car, who's talking about her ancestor. I can't remember if she was yeah, she genuinely was American. American or if she was... Was she? Okay. Well, um, well she was meant to be, at least. I she mean, was meant was to be American. American, but I don't know if she was actually an American. But either way, we've also had other American actors. We had the blues singer slash medical student in yeah. whatever it was. Was that Paradise uh, Towers? No. We had American spies in Delta and the Bannerman? Yes. There you go. Yeah. More Americans. It's it, terrific, but it's a little weird that there are suddenly so many American actors showing up on this show. It's cool. Yeah. It's very cool. That is, that is interesting. Yeah. I think in many ways that's a mark of success. It, that certainly bleeds into the 90s where outside of the US, if there's any kind of US influence on pop culture, then it's just de facto cool. Was that the situation here in the UK as well? I certainly know that in Sweden, it's like American culture was considered so awesome. <laughs> like it, do, it didn't even matter what it was. If it was American, it was cool. So if, if it was a Swedish show or whatever other show it was, and there was an American actor in it, it's like that elevated it. And this is Doctor Who in 89. There's an American person in there. Like, they fucking, they got on a plane. They got, they, they got on a plane <laughs> across the Atlantic. That's, that's a fucking commitment. <laughs> well done, Doctor Who. Well done, BBC. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like in the UK, certainly with films, we were subjected to a lot of American stuff. So it was more normalized, perhaps. But yeah, I doubt there was that much crossover of American actors appearing in British hmm. shows, that's for sure. This, Yeah, this is probably a rarity. And a, yeah, quite an intentional thing, it seems, that they're doing. Of like, there's a little bit part in every... Every serial, almost it seems. Yeah, we can't we can't have the budget to go film in America. Let's nope, but we can get scour one the American local person. talent pool <laughs> to to find the few Americans that live here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because this is, of course, yeah, the new who. Maybe that is intentionally what they're doing. They're trying to appeal to a wider audience. Oh, get maybe some yeah. Viewing across the Atlantic, which is what we saw later than in New Who. I forget which Matt Smith going Matt to the Smith states. It, is it the one that starts with the impossible astronaut or whatever it's called? Yes, exactly. Um, That's that whole storyline. Matt Smith and a cowboy yeah. hat, impossible astronaut. Those forget-me-nots characters. Yeah, the silence. Yeah, silence. That's like that entire that entire series, other than alien stuff, 
if they're on Earth, they're in America, I think. I can't, I can't quite I remember. Pretty, but... Yeah, that's pretty much spot on. The TARDIS turns into a freaking diner at one point. Like, it couldn't be more American. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, sorry, all the listeners in the US, I'm aware that it's a much richer culture than that, obviously. But your diners are awesome. <laughs> we try to copy them over here. <laughs> they're great. Everyone likes a booth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can I do some rapid fire question asking for you? Oh, of course. Yeah, we didn't even start with Leon's questions. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, we've kind of asked many of them, including like what exactly is going on here. It's one of my introductory questions. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Did Doc know that the eyeball amulet was going to arrive in the dark theater the ragnarok theater i mean it seems like he did otherwise he was a bit fucked wasn't he well how did he how could he know that i have no idea <laughs> okay that's a, uh, hey, i mean that's a good enough answer the, i i assume they were together when there was the plan to try and not recreate what's the word and repair the amulet find the missing eye and at this point i don't it is basically a massive assumption that doc knows a lot more than everyone else at this point yeah. And so he knows if the amulet is put back together, then it can be used to, to fight the gods of Ragnarok. Is... I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you half a point for that. All right. Where did the sword come from? <laughs> <laughs> from the piece of metal that he pulled out of his ass. <laughs> yeah. That sword has a story, like comes with a whole backstory that is of no consequence, as far as I recall. No. What, what does he What does he say about it? It was a gladiator that also like entertained in that arena, I think. In what in the arena in which he is right there? Yeah, he, here we go. Yeah, the climax of my act, gods of Ragnarok, requires something you do not possess in great abundance. That is imagination, and it starts with a piece of metal. This piece of metal once belonged to a sword, and that sword belonged to a gladiator, and that gladiator fought and died in this ring to entertain you who the shit is this gladiator why have we never heard of him before why does he have a sword what the hell where did doc what is doc here has doc gone here looking to avenge a gladiator we haven't talked about for four episodes <laughs> i don't know <laughs> although i like that idea i like that this is not that the doc's vengeful but well that well, he's come uh, here with a purpose yeah. you know, and it was to do with this gladiator like that adds something that is severely missing from this serial but no, I, I don't think that's the reason i think he just had something in his pocket and he was using it yeah i don't know i, I guess you could also say by the way if let's say they are bbc execs he is telling them you don't have any imagination <laughs> true yeah okay follow-up question why does the sword explode when he throws it at them I mean, there's a lot of unexplained explosions in this. I think the whole circus explodes at the end for some reason. Oh, yeah. It's, it caves in on itself. Yeah. And now they're going to reestablish themselves as, as the greatest show in the galaxy. Go back on the circuit. How? How? That is, oh, God, that's crazy bananas. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine how bad their is reviews they... must be? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they must be terrible. But yeah. What, no, you, you would not stick with that profession after what has just happened. And Mags, Absolutely not. Mags would not go along with it. They're like, no, I'll do anything but this. Thank you very much. I'll make yeah. my own way in the world. <laughs> exactly. Also, try not to get sued. WizKid's dad is clearly either Liam Neeson in Taken or Denzel in Man on Fire. And they are <laughs> going to have to pay some dues. <laughs> Lots of people have gone there and died. Are they just going to go like, yeah, it's fine with the old administration. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that. They went bankrupt. All the assets have gone. Sorry, you can't get anything from them. Um, yeah, I was we're brainwashed under new management. Yeah. 
Okay, more rapid fire questions. Ragnarok, question mark? Why? And another question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I think basically so McCoy can have a field day going Ragnarok. Oh, because yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Is, that is so enjoying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Are they saying these are Norse gods or is it a separate thing that are the gods of Ragnarok? I don't, I don't know. I, no, I don't know. No. Nope. Never right. explained. Never explained. Okay, more questions. There's a robot bus driver. Yes. Why was there a robot bus driver? No idea. <laughs> He looks nice, though. He, he looks great. I love that robot bus driver. Okay, so the bus, was that part of the caravan? Or did they drive that bus to the site where they set up the, the circus? Maybe. And then the bus got stuck in the sand or something, and they just pitched a tent and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But why did the bus have a robot conductor? This, it just No, know. it just is not explained. I mean, yeah, it's not explained. I d there's a lot you could maybe interpret from the fact that Bellboy is being coerced to go along with this stuff. He's programmed robots to do things. Maybe they had a bus conductor robot was really just like the driver. I don't know. It would make more sense if it was a driver. That's the thing. Like you could have a robot driving. Oh, you you're around. right. Sorry. Yeah, he's not the driver. Why not? But he's not. He's a conductor. He's got a ticket machine. Yeah. Why has he got a fucking ticket machine? These yeah. people don't want to pay every time they're on a bus. It's their bus. So I don't know if it's just a weird sense of humor on, say, the chief clown's part. I mean, that's I am reaching so much to make sense of it. I can't make sense of it. <laughs> yeah, you have a huge heart for trying. Okay, I might be running out of questions. What do you want to take this, dude? Well, I just have one slight continuation of that in form of a question, which is why does the conductor robot always hang out in the back of the bus and take minutes to ever appear on scene. Like, they go in to get the eye from the medallion. Yeah. And the scene before that, I'm pretty sure, is the chief clown putting the repaired bus conductor onto the bus. Like, yeah. he's just been put there. And yes. somehow he's he's wandered into the back, fallen asleep. They managed to get the eye out of the box. Yeah. Or, like, Ace trips the little thing, pedal you have to do, <laughs> gets the box out, looking at the eye... And then the bus conductor turns up. He's like, no, yeah, he's a robot. That's... Doesn't need tea breaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... I have no explanation for that. This conductor thingy, by the way, so it has a button underneath its hat. It's a self-destruct button. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kingpin, when Kingpin finally turns normal again, he, he's out of his trance, whatever it is, he tells Ace... Knock the hat off. Ace's cranium is in the process of being squished, like being the mountain yeah. from Game of Thrones. And Kingpin very clearly could just do this himself. He just goes, knock the hat off. There's a button. Yeah, you want to <laughs> press that button? Oh, you press that button. Come on. Hurry on out of there. It's going to yeah. explode. It's not no, the no, quickly. <laughs> Dude, you can get up and help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's quick, quick, dumb. Crystal. Utterly yeah. dumb. What did you think of Ace in this, actually? Ace is great. Ace is... Ace is written as Ace, and it's almost as though not even... The same kind of skepticism that Ace shows towards some of the alien plots beforehand. It's like, no, that can't be true. What? Is that just a Dalek? No, I'm going to whack it. She shows that towards this entire serial. Yeah. She doesn't want none of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like her. She's she's good stuff. I think yeah, I do, I do like her. Yeah, 
I think I think this what I was pondering is is she used to the best of her abilities in this serial? I'm not sure she is. I also feel like no, probably not. As much as I love Ace and Sophie Aldred, I don't think her acting level was as good as oh. it has been. I think this was back to Ace when we first met her, and it was a bit more childlike and a bit more you know oh overplayed petulance sort of thing. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right about that. The reluctance to want to join the, not join the circus, but go to the circus is slightly childish. It's slightly, hey, are we there yet? Are we there yet? That kind of behavior. You're right. Oh, do we have to? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. But when she doesn't do that, she is fine. And she is, of our humble protagonists, in this case, I'm going to count the ancillary, the friends of the week. She's the only one who actually does get to affect any kind of change in many ways. I don't count Doc's weird third act because it makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's very true, actually. Yeah. She's probably the most consistent as well. Like, I feel like, yeah, yeah, we've said it multiple times, Doc doesn't feel like Doc with the way things play out in this and he's... I don't know, doing all these magic tricks and stuff. It's just a very weird thing to watch, whereas Ace feels like Ace throughout it. Yeah. This is a four-parter, obviously. So we do get three cliffhangers. We haven't had a Jim Talks About Cliffhangers segment in a while. (laughs) Is this a candidate? Well, I mean, the first, if you want want to do Jim does cliffhangers, whatever the hell, (laughs) intro. (laughs) We never did for that. The first one I did write a specific note about because the cliffhanger is literally Doc saying, well, are we going in or aren't we? And then it's just end roll credits. It's like, right. I can remember okay, what it was. Right. My only note was possibly the worst cliffhanger to date. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's nothing. That is not a cliffhanger. That's a, oh, fuck, that's... I've, I've run out of ideas. <laughs> That's this was meant to be three episodes and someone couldn't cut it down enough so they turned it into four and they just had to yeah. put a random break in. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Which apparently was it was meant to be three and they did ask for it to be longer. Oh well, there you go. That some, is the exact explanation. Well done. Some reason someone said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than, no, this is the pile of shit we want to push under the carpet, rather than elongate it and rub it in people's faces. Anyway, episode two, how did that one end? We have... Bad Doc has captured Good Doc, I've written. Oh yeah, Captain Cook turns up with the robots. This is when we see that he's he's shifted his allegiances, basically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which... I bet you we're never going to see a cliffhanger like that again. (laughs) No, totally unique. (laughs) Sorry, I cut you off. What was that? I mean, yeah, it's a perfectly reasonable cliffhanger, like new information presented. And at least it wasn't like they were being threatened with death. They were just being captured. So, yeah, good. And then episode three. Oh, is this Mags going all werewolf? Yes. Is she a werewolf or is she a werefox? Because she is from the planet. What was it? I wrote it down. Vulpina or something. Like the planet fox people. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just paraphrasing. Because she sees a full moon and turns. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think she's referred to as a werewolf. I mean, it was yeah, okay as a cliffhanger, I guess. I think it wasn't clear to me at this point what was her trigger. Because she's she looks at this moon. Yeah. And yeah, it has a little blue light by it. And I, I, know, it's I, got I a thought it was shape. the shape. Fact- 
Yeah, I thought it yeah. was the fact that it's a moon. It's like, okay. And obviously you see someone being worried about seeing a moon. It's like, okay, you're a werewolf, whatever. But then when they're in the ring and Captain Cook says, oh, I want that old devil moon effect. And it's just this blue light. It's like, oh, okay. There's some light that she's sensitive to and, and changes based on that. Yeah, exactly. There's no information about that. Also, it just dawned on me, that light is a crescent moon. Werewolves famously unaffected by crescent moons. (laughs) Full moon or bust, you know? Yeah, I think she sees that and she's a little bit kind of like, oh, oh no, it's feeling a bit tingly. And then when they come out, I swear it is a different moon. I don't know if there were there were different know. ones on each side or something. And she oh, looks maybe. up again and it's more of a full moon. I don't know. That was weird. Oh, okay. Yeah, just as poorly treated as everything else in this serial. Like, not clear really what is the trigger for her. Not yeah. clear how Captain Cook has managed to set up this lighting effect. I mean, this is another thing that... This is a know, conversation. These little exactly breadcrumbs yeah. are just sort of... These are why I was thinking, was he in this from the start? Because it feels like there's a lot of setup that's gone on. Like, he's able to go away with the robots to capture everyone. Like, he's managed to convince them in such a short space of time that he's on their side. And suddenly he's, yeah, commanding the robots around. He's managed to get them to set up special lighting that's going to trigger his werewolf companion. I don't know, yeah. which is really weird. I, mean, I know what you're saying, but I think that's just bad writing. Like, I think there's just something yeah. <laughs> missing in, in that scene, which you're so right about. The thing you said at the start, I think, is equally applicable here as well. There's just, there are massive, there's sort of almost abandoned plot lines of, let's have a dialogue between these two or three characters, or let's just have an understanding between these two or three characters, but let's never write it, let's never show it on screen. This is another one of them. Because later on, we get to see him dead, and he's working with with the bad guys. He's even, Mags even goes, I thought you were dead. He's like, I am dead. And he's a zombie, just like the three civilians in the audience. He's a zombie controlled by them somehow. But he does still have his own free will, and nothing's really changed. He's just evil now. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. That's interesting, actually, because that's the second time you've said that about the audience. And I had a different take on that. I thought they were basically manifestations of the three gods. And it's just the three gods sat there. Yeah, I mean, I think Um, that is the case. But you're saying that they were there. They basically have taken over some human bodies. Well, I think I think you're right. Those three audience members are the three, the Britain's Got Talent slash Ragnarok Gods jury. <laughs> Ragnarok's Got Talent. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Had that as a bloody intro line. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, hang on, I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm al- I'm also almost certain that there's an exchange between it might be Mags and Captain Cook actually, where Captain Cook says they are already dead, and we get to see the girl, the daughter in this family, and there's a light that shines across her eyes, and her her eyes, her pupils go like bright green because she's dead, and maybe the parallel is. Her eyes have gone really wonky because now she's dead. But also the way that we get to see the Ragnarok people here is through an eyeball, either on that amulet or inside the crevasse. So maybe this is that same eye peering out through the girl. So if you're Uh. dead in this world, but you haven't been lightning bolted, if you're allowed to be a zombie, then you are a vessel for the Ragnarok gods. Interesting. Also the Uh, dead, uh, not the dead, the eyeball inside the crystal ball. Yeah, I think that makes more sense that they would, yeah, they have real people there that they've manifest, possessed. 
Yeah. I'm trying at to find the, end, it in the transcripts. Sorry? I was going to say, at the end with Captain Cook, yeah, I wasn't sure if he was meant to have his wits about him still. I kind of felt like he was just a zombie and was probably a p- possessed by the gods at that point. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. But but I'm not sure if that plays out either. I feel like maybe you're right. Maybe it is his personality. He is still in control somehow. But what happens but, to him afterwards? He just seems to walk off the cliff and die. Is that it? He falls off the cliff? So he falls off the cliff. The amulet also falls off the cliff. The amulet, however, lands in the ring right on Doc's sword, the gladiatorial sword that we never learn about, and he gets to wear it. But we don't get to see dead Captain Cook flop onto the ground and at a million miles an hour and just liquefy (laughs) on impact. No. Yeah, we missed that scene where, yeah, Doc catches the medallion on the sword and then moments afterwards, Captain Cook gets impaled on the sword. And Doc <laughs> yeah, has exactly. to just try and <laughs> fl- wield it around like a shield with bullets, laser bolts bouncing off the shield and say, oh no, mind Captain Cook's balls. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've just looked at my notes. There is one more thing that I really like about this. Oh, okay. Biker burger. <laughs> Oh god, I nearly spat out my whiskey. <laughs> Isn't that great though? That was just what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean the entire character of this biker vandal guy. Yeah. What's his name Nord. Yeah, a little bit. Nord, insane. I think. Yeah. Nord, yeah. Just yeah. I have a quick snack. I'm just gonna I've just teleported through. Quick quick stop. Get the burger out of my little metal box. My engine mm, compartment get, thingy. Yeah, being kept, kept warm by the warm. engine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not at all soggy no no it's not nope. been sweating away in there for hours <laughs> delicious burger if anything yum, this yum, is yum, a yum. guy who he knows his odd cuisine and he's all about hygiene <laughs> he was totally over the top and i mostly didn't like him but i did quite like when he said do you want me to do something unpleasant to your face <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was good <laughs> he was great at the start and then he just ended up being very samey yeah true there are a couple of Captain Cook lines that I okay. thought were really, really good. And they are quite literally really uh, uh, siphoning the dregs in this in this episode notes barrel. So here we go. First off, these circus chappies are pretty smart customers for all their let it all hang out mumbo jumbo. Great line. Nice. <laughs> yeah, solid line. Also an exchange with, I want to say it's between Captain Cook and what's his face? I think it might be the chief clown. He goes, the Bay of, uh, I haven't experienced this since I was at the Bay of Paranoia on Golubus. And he goes, I don't care what happened on Golubus. He goes, well, you're lost, old boy. (laughs) That was rather nice. Yeah, that's that's it. I'm out. I'm all tapped (laughs) out. The rest of this episode is dog shit. I do do have something to add, actually. There was a nice Doc and Ace moment. I can't remember the exact thing that led up to it, but Ace calls Doc Doctor, and they're, as they're just kind of wandering off at the end of a scene, and he says, ah, so you can remember. <laughs> nice. Oh, that is actually kind of lovely. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right. Shall we try to somehow numerically rate this serial? <laughs> Let's. <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Kablamatron Podcast Land, and welcome to the hour mini section of this podcast episode. Jim Cakes has been a spiffing chap and has volunteered to go first. Cakes. Yeah, we didn't even play the game. What the hell? Yeah, you're such a chap. <laughs> Mostly because if I let these things stew in my brain any longer, they won't make any sense. So let's just vomit them down this microphone into your earballs, podcast land. Great. Apologies oh, <laughs> for that image. <laughs> 
so yeah, really, what the fuck was that? There's <laughs> nonsensical plots, totally flat characters with missing motivations, as as well as being nonsensical. The plot was full of holes as well. Yeah. Yeah, very little fully explained. Yeah. I've never been more confused, I think, at the end of a serial. And I don't mean in a good way, where it's like, oh, where did this, where could this go? What could this mean? Just in the, what was that? What just happened? (laughs) Yeah. I've said a lot of negative things already. You know how I'm feeling about this, don't you all? What can we say? Positive things. The giant robot was kind of nice. Like, I think Mm -hmm. actually some of the designs in this are quite cool. The costume that the chief clown had was quite nice. McCoy, like I said, I think he's doing a good performance. It's just not really a performance of the doctor that the way I see it. I think it was a poorly written doctor in this script. Ace, like we said, is pretty much on good form, but then there's maybe that little letdown by some childlike moments. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, the supporting cast is just there. Other than Captain Cook, most of them, yeah, aren't delivering great material, aren't great characters in general. You know what? I will mention the bit of trivia that we forgot to mention, which is... Oh, here we go. Like, amongst this supporting cast, we had someone who was considered to be the Seventh Doctor. Dead, yeah. Deadbeat, Kingpin, Chris Jury was one of the three, like, final options for casting the seventh doctor and who knows if he would have been good or not because his part in this serial like he's one of the key players he's apparently the instigator for why the circus goes to this place to look for this this power whatever i don't know and still even he doesn't get a lot to do yeah Mm. it's just really really weird how they've used and there's so many characters in this actually it's really weird how they've decided to use them, which is poorly, is what they decided. Anyway, I've, I have a note which I've randomly scrolled to in my notes and felt like this kind of summed it up to me. A little bit in Tracy from America ways, but my note was basically <laughs> okay. thumbs down. Oh, the grand plan was to get the guard clown robots to come in and whack them with juggling clubs. Yeah. yeah. And in summary of the summary... <laughs> When the when the asbestos was found at BBC Studios and they nearly cancelled this serial and it would have gone the way of Sharda, they should have just cut their losses, buried it in a pit and never found it again. One out of five. Oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> that is, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That is a very good point. Wow, one, one out of five. Oh, Jim, you've got such a big heart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually felt like I was being generous at the end. <laughs> no, that's that's incredibly solid. And yeah, that's an excellent mini. Perfectly encapsulates this serial. The, the Chris Jury comment, for all we know, he's a great actor. The character of Kingpin slash, what's it called? Why do I never forget? Deadbeat. Remember this. Deadbeat, thank you. That must be like the nightmare role for any actor because there's nothing about his performance here that he can put on his CV. Yeah, I'm capable of being entirely devoid of any kind of character for an hour of television. Yeah, no, it's mad. Anyway, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll look, look him up. I'm still a little curious about Lovejoy and apparently he was on that. So who knows? Right. Okay. Thank you for the mini, my turn, and I'm going to start with something that I cannot believe has not somehow crept up in this review, in this little, in this very tired conversation, I would like to add, podcast land. And that is the fact that I hate clowns. I hate them. (laughs) They make me sick. Like, I cannot think of anything more barfomatic than a clown. And I've, I've talked about this before. I know that I've talked about this before because I fucking hate them. And to be clear, I'm not talking about the kind of high class 
arty clown that you might find in a cabaret, like those are regrettable, but they're tolerable. I mean, big top circus clowns and kids party clowns. One look at them and I am I am riding a Hurley Davidson down Chunder Road. And it doesn't matter that I have ranted about clowns before on this show because my contempt for those reviling grossos is paralleled perhaps only by my complete loathing of licorice and cannot be contained in but a singular rant. Fuck every single clown and the unicycle they rode in on. Okay. So, I suppose that you can still have a good film or serial. I still think of this as a really bad film. But yeah, you can still have a good serial in spite of clown's presence in it. All you need is a good storyline. You don't have one of those? Okay, no worries. Then all you need is a good script. Nope. Haven't got one of those lying around somewhere, have you, BBC? All right. Could be worse, I'm sure. At least you have something vaguely resembling good acting. Nope. All right. There wasn't time. I get it. No problem. (laughs) Sly McCoy is... Fine. Yeah, he is really, really fine. He's Sly McCoy. Perhaps a little bit too slapsticky in this one for my liking, but he does a good job. However, the character, I'm in complete agreement with you on this one. Doc, Doc himself is feverishly shyster here. Like, I did enjoy him Billy Jeansing before the gods of Ragnarok towards the end. But oh, like, yeah. What compels him to take them to the circus in the first place? Why does he act so dumb? Why does he rely on blind luck alone? What's his entire third act about? Yada, yada, yada. Ace is great, despite having to suffer through an interminable mire of mind-bogglingly inane scenes. The foe? Who is the foe? Is the gods of Ragnarok? Who are they? We don't learn anything about them. Is it the clowns who might be dead, but who might also not be? We don't know. I don't find them charismatic enough to relate to them, even as sort of nemeses. Production value is a tricky one. I really enjoyed the look of the robots, the conductor in particular. That robot was gorgeous. Nord's biker helmet is terrific. The look of the Ragnarok gods, I guess, is okay. Their arena is is fine. We didn't talk about this. There's sort of the poltergeist effect when the eyeball is in the crevasse and smoke comes out and there's like this round laser effect. Feels very poltergeisty to me. It looks great. But the rest of this episode looks like dog shit. Greatest asset and this serial's only redeeming quality is that at a very hungry level, it's ostensibly an allegory of the malice of spam and a lesson to anyone who thinks otherwise that marketing is in fact a pile of wank invented by stone-cold, scandy-obsessed wads to remove your humanity. Yeah, that's right. Your humanity. I'm talking to you, Greg. No one likes you, Greg, and you should run away from your family and join a circus. See? It's not very nice, is it? Well, that's marketing, and that's why Greg is YouTubing how to tie a noose right now, because marketing, just like clowns, and particularly clowns who send you spam, should eat a nice, lukewarm plate of turds. All right. Pens down podcast land. Obviously, it is an allegory of the show itself, but I'm really sorry. Aside from the conceptual approach to, oh, wow, we're breaking the fourth wall. We're doing a show about a show. It's a mise-en-scene or mise-en-a-boom. I can never remember which one's which. It just doesn't work for me. If you write a scathing, sarcasm-ridden parody of modern society and feces on a wall, and I'm sure lots of avant-garde artists have done so, it might be really clever, but it'll still smell bad. And that's how I feel about this serial. Right, where was I? Biggest flaw, did I mention the clowns? Because it's not that I find them scary, it's that I'm contemplating the myriad conscious life choices that have led them to act like dumbasses and assume that their audience has the funny bone of a dead hamster makes me want to blow chunks. (laughs) Main takeaway, I literally don't know what this serial is about. Rating, yeah, 0.4. And at least three quarters (laughs) of that rating is for the captain's spiffing performance. Fuck this (laughs) serial. (laughs) Oh, wow. Sorry, that was really long. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Don't apologize. It was gold. Wow. Amazing stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) So that's what we think. That is what we think. (laughs) Dare we 
dare we venture into the land where people don't shit on this quote so much? <laughs> I think we must. I think we owe it to podcast land and to ourselves. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazama Globules, Podcast Land, and welcome to the Listener Mini section of this podcast episode. We've got, I haven't counted them, a whole bunch of Listener Minis. We're going to read three in full, snip, snippety, snip, 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 the rest. You know the drill. Jim Cakes, who's first? First up, it's none other than the Zoonmeister himself, Peter Zunich. What up, Peter? Hello, Peter. Hello, Peter. Peter starts. There is great derision with this circus act. How can one talk about it without being wrong? It's brilliant, Mm. and it kind of sucks. The setting is wonderfully minimalistic, but it's also dull. The acting is often stiff, but every performance is done with such care. The story makes no sense, and yet it's very deep and fascinating. (laughs) Nothing is adequately explained, and yet it just works as it is, for what it is, and it all makes sense. Maybe? Sorry, I made that a question. It wasn't a question. <laughs> well, Peter is sitting naked inside a cave contemplating life in the universe. <laughs> Peter continues, In retrospect, it is quite obvious that this was meant to be part of a much larger ongoing storyline, one which the Doctor has known for quite some time, but the audience is only learning of now. It probably doesn't excuse the inability for this to stand on its own, especially since most of that storyline never did come about, and it does make me less irritated. Interesting. That might be, for example, where the sword hails from. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Hmm. Peter continues, this would be a great one for a retro rewrite. Imagine reducing part one slag when nobody actually gets to the circus and instead explore more of the caves. Then you could actually explain why Norse gods are so bored in the first place. The rest (laughs) of the time would be spent on rounding out the characters. They're all so good. It's a tragedy we never get to explore them in greater depth. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that last bit, but sure, yeah. That is a good idea for a retro rewrite. Peter concludes, do I love this or hate it? Both? Neither. What day of the week is it? (laughs) Let's compromise. (laughs) Peter gives this 2.5 extremely agile, ancient, god-worshipping, evil robot alien clowns. Oh my god, actually, that as a one-sentence summary of a character is actually awesome. Maybe the serial is great. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Who's next? Next up, it's Neil. Hi, Neil. Hi, Neil. (laughs) Oh, my lord, chaps, says Neil. The ending is really in sight now. It's going to be sad, but I am properly pumped for your follow-up podcast, Poirot, back when... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, don't tempt me, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the greatest show in the galaxy, Neil says these things. Lots of creepy stuff in this one. Creepy clowns, creepy family, creepy kind of robots. I like the large mix of different characters, and I know it was an extraordinary task to get this serial made due to many behind-the-scenes issues. Oh, okay. I do find it's maybe an episode too long, says Neil, and I'm not a fan of the dodgy 80s raps. But the gods are really cool. The head clown is terrifying. And the werewolf effects are impressive. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. And finally, says Neil, the shot of McCoy walking towards camera as the circus explodes behind him is still so gangster. And he gives this a rating of 3.0 out of 5. Nice. Yeah, that is actually a good point. That's a bad, badass scene. And there are some pretty cool looking characters in this. Uh, I think it's just, yeah, yeah, you have to get on board to appreciate some of the little bits. We put, we managed to pull out a few nice things. Yeah. 
Other Absolutely. people have found more. Yep. But yeah. <laughs> Undoubtedly. <laughs> yeah, no, that, you, that is true. That is fair. Thank you very much, Neil. Peeps, uh, what are not Neo, fret not, you can head on over online and follow Neil over there. You can be found at Neil Andrazoni and Neil Ya Mess Actor. <laughs> Thank you very much, Neil. Who's next? <laughs> next up, we have Isaac. Bada badum, Isaac. Bada badum, Isaac. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> On your own, but it was very nice. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Hi, Isaac. <laughs> Hi, Isaac. Isaac says whoever commissioned this story snorted a massive line of coke, unrolled the nice. twenty-pound note they had used, and told the production team, "This is the budget. We need a circus." <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good I love that, Isaac. Very good. Yeah. Isaac continues, this episode is bananas. Barack Obama gets killed in a wicker basket. There's a bus. Open shirt guy controls a room of half-finished robot clowns to tear him to pieces. Is that yeah. how he dies? That is how he dies. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He just His distraction technique is to stand in the middle of the room and get the clowns to kill him. Yeah. But does he press a button to make that happen? He just verbally orders them, I think. Oh, God. Oh, that is some dark shit. Maybe this does deserve 0. 0.05 more. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac continues, not to mention Captain Cook and Werewolf Mags. As a teenager, I had a crush on Mags. I, I get it, Isaac. I get it. The Chief Clown, he continues, the most threatening villain Doctor Who has ever created. Hmm. <laughs> And that doesn't even include the sand robot, rock gods, eye kites, Chris Chibnall on a children's bike, or the OG family of blood. This is bonkers, gonzo, wild who? The Seventh Doctor's era had its most creative and entertaining, says Isaac, in intoning it exactly Holy the way that I'm reading it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Holy smokes. Jim Cakes, what does Isaac give this episode or serial? Isaac, I hope you have made it through our ranting and got to this point. Because I'm so delighted you got the entertainment out of this. And you managed to rate this holy bajillion mojis. Molies. <laughs> mojis? Molies. I'm making up things. You gave this five out of five. Holy. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Holy <laughs> moly. Isaac, call your cardiologist ASAP. You have a gigantic heart. <laughs> well, well done. Yeah, really well done. Yeah, really good stuff. Well, I, I don't that. necessarily People... disagree with everything you've said. I think there are, yeah, there are elements of all of this that is good. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if the Chief Clown is the most threatening villain Doctor Who has ever. You know created. what? Actually, this was another thing I didn't, I didn't actually mention earlier. But yeah, there's a lot of support for this. People for like, really rate this character as like one of the best villains and one of the most evil clowns in the whole of fiction and it's like he's barely in it and like no <laughs> i'm very confused isn't, yeah isn't that crazy bananas we've had other similar ish characters we have clowns in the toy maker for example we have do you remember when there's like the evil version of the doctor in not kinder whatever the sequel to kinder is snake eyes oh, snake breath Snake dance? Snake snake dance? That might be it. Yeah. Evil version of a doctor. Oh, I forgot. Do you remember that. there's like a... Maybe this is in Kinder. There's like a black and white 
noir cabaret style commedia dell'arte kind of universe. Yeah, yeah. And one of them is sort of like a not not really a clown, He's but a sort like of like a clown. Jesteress, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He was really cool. S- super cool. Way more menacing than this dude. Definitely. Yeah. 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 It's odd. Anyway, uh, each to their own. Lots Absolutely. of fans of this yeah. serial. More power to them. Well done. Yeah. Isaac spiffing mini. Thank you very much. People who are not Isaac, say hi to Isaac. And yep, say hi from us. Isaac can be found where Jim Cakes at Ms. Monster Adams. That's Adams with one D. Thank you, Isaac. Mm. Right, snips henceforth. Who's next? Next up, we have got Stephen from Canada. Canada. Hello, Stephen. Hello there, Stephen. Stephen says, overall, this story earns 4.4 overly analyzed English essays that can be written about this story out of five. Wow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, very nice. Excellent summing up. Excellent mini peeps who are not Stephen. Say hi to Stephen online. You can be found at S Andreatchen. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Who's next? <gasps> next up, it's JP. <laughs> I said J, you said P. J. P. J. P. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, GP. Hello, GP. GP says snip, snippity, snip, 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 and concludes with just. Ah, why? And he gives this rating, a really relatable rating of 0.4 men wearing dresses selling gross fruit. <laughs> was that a was that a man? I, I don't know, to be honest. No, it was a woman. I don't think, yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, more men should be wearing more dresses. Dresses yeah, look super comfortable. <laughs> Thank you very much, GP. Peeps are not GP, head on over to Insta and YouTube and find GP. He can be found where, Jim Cakes? At Finding G-Spots. That's right. Thanks, GP. Thank you, GP. Who's next? Next up, it's Tans. One, two, three, four, five, six fingers. Pow, 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 pow. Hello, Tans. Hello there, Tans. Tans says... Lots of things, and then concludes, I give this two sad robotic clown faces out of five. All right. All right. Ah, <laughs> uh, Thank you very much, Tans. Peeps who are not Tans, say hi to Tans online at Tans Six Fingers and... Tans Six Fingers. Correctamundo. Thank you very much, Tans. Who's next? Next up, we've got that chap who's always after that little bit extra. It's Derek Moore. (laughs) Please, sir, can I have Derek Moore? Hello, Derek. Hello, Derek. Derek's sent in such a teeny tiny mini that here's the maxi version of his snip. (laughs) Derek says, completely meh. Nothing to hate, but nothing to love beyond Ace and Doc. And he gives this a rating of 2.5 out of 5 somethings. Too meh to even come up with a rating system. <laughs> yeah. Very fair. Very fair. <laughs> yeah, very fair. A good rating. Uh, Peter, here's your friend who agrees with you. Thanks, Derek. Thank you, Derek. Next? Next up, we've got Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hello, Kieran. Kieran says some wonderful things and then finishes, anyway, 4.5 out of 5 massive explosions frying McCoy's back. Oh, I hope it didn't really fry his back. (laughs) I think I read that it singed his coat. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Solid rating from a solid dude. Thank you very much, Kieran. 
Oh, dagnabbit. You know what? The sun is back out again. It's getting to be that time of year when you could just grab a car or a van if you're transporting a lot of people at once and head on over into the countryside. If you want to do that in an environmentally conscious way, where might you go, Jim Cakes? Well, I'd be looking for an electric van, of course, so I'd get myself over to KJE Vans numero two. For all your Evan needs. Thank you very much. Twice. Kieran. Thank you, Kieran. <laughs> yes, last. Last up, it's none other than Kristaps Paddock. Hello, Kristaps. Kristaps Paddock. Kristaps. It's Kristaps. Hello, Kristaps. Kristaps says, schnip, schnippity, schnip, 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 and includes 4.2 deadpan audience members out of five. Holy nice. moly. Oh, deadpan. Do you think that's how the whole, like, oh, they're dead, they're deadpan thing? Am I reading too much into this now? <laughs> I have no idea. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, solid. Very, very solid. Thank you very much, Chris Dabbs. In fact, thank you very much, everyone who sent something in. Peeps who were thank snipped. You. Apologies. Apopolylogies. I shall put all your minis and the minis from the last two episodes I realized I have not yet put on the website. I will put all of your minis in their full splendor on the website. Peeps who are not any of these peeps, head on over to whobagone.com, read all of these minis in their full splendor. Thank you very much. Cripes, Aroonies, and cheese dongles. That concludes our greatest show in the galaxy conversation. Aye. Is, is this it? Is there no more Doctor Who left? No. We be not there yet, oh, there's more. my friend. <laughs> Oh, thank goodness. Phew. Theatrically wiping sweat off brow. Next up, we've, we're venturing back into New Who territory with a review of Village of the Angels. We're still in flux territory here, as you can tell. As I recall, it's a very good one. Yeah. Mm. After that, and we're back classic. in classic Who territory. Yeah, we will be starting the first serial of the last series of classic TV Who. Oh my what? god. No, that is... known as Battlefield. <laughs> yeah, that's just not on. Like, that is just not on. Oof. Oof, maloof. Tragedy. Wait, how many episodes are left now? Episodes? I'm not quite sure. Serials. It's like five serials, is it? I forget. Oh, so it's a long season. Or maybe it's just four. No, just four. Yeah. Wow. Wow we. Holy moly. Okay. Well. Couple of couple of four parters thrown in there though. Okay. Yeah, good. Good, good. And uh, at some point before we reach the end or possibly after, we will see about scheduling. We're going to do an Audio Who review as well. It will be of Doctor Who, colon, the punctuation redacted. In the meantime, though, you can reach out to us somehow using digital media. Chimcakes. Where might one find you? I can be found lumbering around on Mastodon at jimmy at the whatnow.eu. Yeah, Mastodon right on over yonder and say hi to Jim Cakes. If you like, you can say hi to me as well. I am presently to be found on Twitter at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. You can also reach out to us collectively on Twitter at WhoBackWhen, all in one word for your spelling convenience. And uh, yeah, that's about it, really. Jim Cakes, thank you very much for a lovely evening. And uh, Podcast Land, no, thank you so thank much you. for listening. Mm, oh, thank you. No, thank you. Podcast Land, you've been spiffing as always. Until the next time, rock on, be rad and excellent to each other. And uh, you know what? Ciao, ciao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! 
Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode and lastly give us a rating and review on iTunes it helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points that's it rock on and be rad and excellent to each other catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode until then cha ciao who back when